MindView has just become our latest addition as a partner with Coaching You. MindView is an amazing, amazing company that literally is just releasing a platform. They have developed an incredible assessment that we have just totally, totally been blown away with. Because on this assessment, that you can take in a matter of 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes on your phone, the things that you've never been able to measure before, like resilience, grit, hope, adaptability, all these things, they are able to measure them as to how you're thinking and feeling right now. This is a game changer as far as I'm concerned. I'm a strength finder guy. I love all that. But MindView is the latest technology. It is just literally coming on the market right now. The platform that they've created is second to none. The emphasis right now on your player's mental wellness is unprecedented. I'm sold on MindView. Now it's your turn. For more information about MindView, M-I-N-D-V-U-E, please contact the COO, Cleet McQuinn. His email is cmcquinn at mindview.com or visit their website at mindview.com. Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir, and I'm so excited today um, where we're at in our country right now going through this incredible pandemic. And, you know, if you're coaching basketball, if you're a high school coach and teacher, we don't even know if you're back in school if you're even going to play a season, if you know, you're know you teaching remotely, if you're a college coach, we have a, a little hope and optimism that things might happen. Uh, but, you know, it's such uncertain times. But all of us, for the most part, at the collegiate level and the NBA level, kind of had an abrupt ending to last season. So, you know, we've been trying to do different things to, you know, attack that. And you know, Tony Bennett is one of our dear, dear friends at Coaching You, and, you know, I sat down with him as the defending national champion, and some of the things that he talked about, you know, you know, the adversity that he had to go through, you know, getting upset, the first team ever to get upset, one sixteen game, and then to come back, you know, the following year, and really have every game was a nail-biter. And how sometimes those tough lessons can be the best. So Tony is one that has great faith, uh, has incredible uh, relationship skills, and one of the very best technicians in our game. You know, obviously he's known, you know, for his mover blocker offense. He's also known for his pack line defense. But more importantly, uh, he's a man's man. And I think you'll hear by the story he tells how this can apply to you. So after this quick timeout, Tony Bennett, still the reigning NCAA champion. We're thrilled to have our longtime partners and friends at Dr. Dish Basketball on board as sponsors of the Coaching You podcast. Dr. Dish machines are undoubtedly the most user-friendly and advanced machines in the world of basketball today. Dr. Dish has completely revolutionized and reimagined the shooting machine to provide the best solution on the market. Join top programs around the world like Duke, North Carolina, Florida, and countless others and upgrade your shooting machine to Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish machines are the best way to increase purposeful reps in your program to get players better, faster, while tracking progress along the way. Dr. Dish provides so much more than just your standard shooting machines with custom training, pro trainers, and coaches on demand, real-time and detailed analytics, 
and top-of-the-line drills and workouts. If you're looking to take your program to the next level, look no further than Dr. Dish for the best basketball training machine in the world. If you have an old machine that's just collecting dust in your gym, did you know that you can trade that in to Dr. Dish for up to $1,500 off and get a new dish? Make sure to give our friends at Dr. Dish a follow at Dr. Dish B-Ball on Twitter and Instagram for great daily drills, workouts, tips, and inspiration. Or contact us at drdishbasketball.com. Don't forget to mention Coaching You or our podcast for $300 off your purchase. Prepare like the pros with the new Fast Draw. Fast Draw is the number one affordable coaching tool used by pro and high school level teams worldwide. With FastDraw, you can save your plays and playbooks digitally, attach video and share with other coaches and your players in seconds. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching content and resources through their blog and playbank, which features over 8,000 free plays and drills from their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Don't forget to use promo code CU10, that is CU10, to receive 10% off your next Fast Model purchase. So pleased today to be sitting in the incredible office of Tony Bennett. The, I almost said the world champion. You are the world <laughs> we'll champion. Take we'll take world champion. The NCAA National Championship this year. Thanks for letting us come and visit. I'm glad to, glad to be with you, Brendan, and look forward to talking about whatever it is you want to speak about. Well, you know, the thing about our, our friendship and getting a chance to visit with you often is uh, we, we exchange so many stories about life and things like that because we're both, we've been, both been through the best of times and also tough times. And the thing that amazed me uh, a year ago was when you had a phenomenal season, your number one team at going into the NCAA tournament, and you're matched up, of course, with the last seed in the NCAA tournament. Take it from there. Yeah, that um, I've referred to that um, since it's happened, and even during it, uh, as a painful gift. And um, in essence, that's really what it was to, um, to be in that spot, and there's never been a team in the history of college basketball to lose as a one seed, um, to have to face that. With your young men, and you know, in some regards, you know, be the laughing stock of college basketball, and and more than that, to be really humbled uh, was challenging. But as I mentioned at the onset, was a gift in a strange way because it stripped everything away that you thought mattered, and it made you um, look at yourself, look at the young men you were you were leading, and you came together and you figured out. Um, Again, what truly mattered, who you were, how we had to come together and, and face it and then go on and, and progress into the next year. I remember we spoke afterwards and I thought it was so you and so truthful in that after the game's over, you have, you have press obligations, media obligations, and you sat in the locker room and said, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and, and, but that's kind of your job. And you didn't know really what you were even going to say because it's certainly something you're not prepared for. Fair enough? Very, very true. You remember that. I remember, um, you know, 
you address your team, and you know about 20 seconds later, um, our sports information director says, "Hey, CBS wants to wants you to do an interview." And I was like, "Tell him no, I can't. I mean, I'm gutted. We're gutted." And and he said, "Okay," and he walks out, and I just sat there for what felt like yeah, 10, 15 seconds, and I said, "Wait a second. I said I'll do it. I, I just felt like you know if you're going to enjoy." The good times that sports brings, that this profession brings, and um, you know you can handle that well. Then you have to be able to take the the hard with the good or the bad with the good. And you know it was I didn't know what I would say, and I'm a man of faith. I really am. I just kind of to myself said, Lord, give me the words to speak because I know everybody's going to be listening, everybody's going to be watching, and maybe if I can say the right thing or handle this in the right way, even though it's stung like crazy, that would be the right thing to do. So. Um, you know, it was just a unique opportunity that um, it's the reason why I did it. I knew I was going to have to go to this podium after, but, you know, there's a rawness or a realness in that moment right after something happens that um, you can't fake. And so I, I can't even remember exactly what I said except to the extent of, you know, this is what we do, not who we are, but um, I'd have to go back and watch it. But a lot of people responded to it. No, I, I, when I watched it, I said it's almost like – these were the most true words ever spoken. You gave praise to your opponent. You never once, which I think is often, you take blame, you assess blame almost to your team, not you, and any coach that, but I thought the words that came out that the good Lord helped you with uh, were so true, and I think you gained the respect from your own team, from the opponent, but more importantly, the world. But I think you don't care as much about that as you just said the truth and what was really inside of you. Yeah, I, I, um, as I said, I remember saying something about when you step inside the arena, and there's a famous quote by uh, Theodore Roosevelt about that. Um, it's no one except those young men that I coached on that team, our staff, and those that were in it understand um, what we faced, all we went through throughout the year, uh, and I'm sure we'll get into it, and then how this season played out, but what that was like, because no one had ever experienced it. And the way society is today, the way social media is today, um, you're forced to deal with things. It kind of puts you in that spot. You know, For example, after the game, we received death threats. Whether they were sincere or not, whether it was gamblers, I don't know, but my um, one of my coaches says, you're not going to like this, but we have to we have to take our team um, and get a police escort. We have to go in the, you know, kind of the service entrance, and there'll be, you know, police officers that take the players up in the elevators to their rooms. And I remember on that ride back, and you do all your media stuff, but I remember on that ride back thinking, what is this suggesting to the young minds of these people? Yeah, we played a game. We had an unbelievable year. We're cutting down the nets five days ago in, in uh, the Barclays Center because we won the ACC tournament, and now we're receiving death threats because we lost a game. And, you know, it was just, there was a lot to process, but in that there was an amazing opportunity um, for our young men to learn, again, something about themselves for me as a, as a coach, as a father, as a husband that uh, I maybe didn't expect, but I knew was out there. So when, how did you then, how was it first in the locker room with the players? Because I think that's, as a coach, my experience has been this is the hardest thing, just to look those, that your, your family in the eyes after the worst thing that's happened to them. Yeah, challenging, especially for the guys who are in their 
senior year, and that was it. And you know, that's the way they were going out. I I don't know if they heard much. Um, you know, you try to affirm them, but but I knew there was going to be ample opportunities after. But I did something unique, and it started um, maybe after I got my bearings. A couple minutes after I addressed the team and I did my CBS interview, uh, I started trying to become very intentional about what this would be and how this would prepare us for the future. I took our two underclassmen that I thought were the keys to pulling our team out of this and for whatever future success we would have. And I took Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy, and I said, you're going to come with me to the press room, and we're going to face this. We're going to honor our two seniors, Devin Hall and Isaiah Wilkins. I don't want them up in front of the media. They, this, isn't, this is to honor what they did. Let's keep them out of it. I said, you two young men are coming with me. And we sat in that holding room before we went on the big stage, and I said, this will be one of the hardest things you'll ever have to do. You're going to have to face it. They're going to come at us. I said, but something wonderful is going to come through. I said, persevere, stay faithful. I said, we're going to face this. We're going to go through this together. But this is the start of what can be something different. And we're going to grow from it. And it was in that moment. So those two young men had to sit there. And I had to sit there for whatever it is after the NCAA tournament. But I thought it was a pivotal, a pivotal moment for them and for me as we started venturing out into, okay, now you're the biggest loser, so to speak, <laughs> in, in a different way yeah. than, the, than the weight loss show. <laughs> so now uh, when in the weeks that ensue, how do you bring the team together again? Yeah, you know, it was really, as I said, being intentional. You know, it, it forced me to grow closer to our guys and our staff to grow closer to them in ways maybe we wouldn't. It was one-on-one meetings, going to have a smoothie, having breakfast, just talking, processing, and then, again, once we started the season, um, we looked at things and did things differently because of it. One cool thing about it, and it's a quote I use from it that kind of is addressing what we're getting at, is my wife went to a TED Talk that was in Charlottesville about six or seven years earlier, and it was called uh, The Storyteller. And, and I showed it to my team. That was the first thing I did when we started our fall practices. And it's about a guy who had a major disability. There was adversity that struck in his life. But there was a line in there that we kind of clung to as a team, and it said regarding adversity, if you learn to use it right, it will buy you a ticket to a place you couldn't have gone any other way. And we really clung to that. because Just because something hard happens or adversity happens, that doesn't guarantee, oh, you're going to, everybody's like, you'll be better because of it. You'll be better because of it. If you don't do anything with it, <laughs> you might be worse because of what happened. We, as I said, we're so intentional about trying to use it, face it, own it, grow from it, learn from it, and be better because of it. So that was kind of our mantra. If you learn to use it right, it'll buy you a ticket to a place you couldn't have gone any other way. I didn't know what that meant at the time, but in my mind, I had this little thought is maybe this is going to, in a crazy way, maybe we can punch a ticket to a Final Four, you know, every coach's and, and team's dream, so to speak. But um, that was for later on. There was a lot in front of us. Now, you can't win a national championship in October when you start practice late September. You can only win it like you did in April, okay? How do you prepare then going forward, and when do we start talking about that the, the journey of winning a national championship, or do we ever? It's funny. I got a letter from a coaching friend of my father's, um, and he sent it to me, and I used it. It was a letter that Claire B., famous coach, sent a letter to Bobby Knight, 
And when Bobby Knight lost a, a, a gut-wrenching game, they were undefeated number one, and they lost a game to go either to the Final Four or whatever. It was, cruci- it was, it was uh, excruciating. And I got that letter, and I read it. And the gist of the letter, and I shared it with our team, was about being strengthened by the very blow that struck you down. But the end of it was, let's run to the starting line. Don't worry about the finish line right now. Let's run to the starting line and be strengthened by the blow that cut you cut you down. And again, we used that. We talked about it. We owned it. And it was just kind of that way. So it was really about, let's own this. We're going to face it. Every road game is going to be talked about. If we're good enough to make the NCAA tournament the next year, that's going to be the storyline. But let's not be afraid of it. Let's just be as good as we can. And I saw a work ethic in our guys that I don't think would have happened any other way. I saw a closeness in our team. I saw relationships being built because, you know, the outside world didn't understand what was going on. All they wanted to do was kind of shame you a little bit. And I saw some unique things happening in my own life, in the life of our players, um, that, again, it wouldn't have happened any other way. And it it actually, it, it drew me closer to what was most important in my life, my faith in the Lord, my family, the relationship with my wife, because that's what I kept talking to our players about. I said, we're in a world that judges us based on how we do. What in your life is unconditional? And until you can establish what's unconditional in your life, uh, you'll never be at your best. And to me, again, that's my faith. That's a relationship I have with my family and friends. And I challenge them to really dig deep into that. Because if you're, you know, praises, praise and blame are the same coin, just opposite sides. And they experience that at a level that, you know, not many young people have in the sporting world as far as number one seed winning the ACC regular season, the ACC championship, cutting down the nets, toast to the town. Five days later, you know, we lose and, you know, you're getting death threats and you're a joke and you're this and you're that. And processing all that for all of us was challenging. So I think it kind of forced us to say, okay, what are we going to do? And, and I think that's, that's the gift of it in a way, that, that humility that um, adversity, what it brought about, was probably something, I don't know if we could have gotten it any other way, and it wasn't the way I would have chosen, and it, and it, it sucked, <laughs> it really did. But as I sit now on the back side of it, sometimes you don't always understand it, but I look at it, and I think it'll prepare our guys for, there's so many worse things that can happen in life. That's what I kept saying, this feels awful, and it is humbling, but there's so many worse things, but how we deal with it is going to shape how we deal with other things. And they had an opportunity to, influence their brothers, their sisters, their moms, their dad. If they could handle this well with peace and perspective, oh, man, that, that, would, that would provide a ripple effect in the lives of others that I think they were put in that spot for. And I think that's significant. How about the incoming freshmen? Let's say that weren't, or any new additions to the team that weren't there. How did they? How did you integrate them into this yeah. process? Well, they didn't sign up for it, but they were lumped into yeah, that they, team. That was they got it. a ticket. Yeah. Um, we we understood it. Um, I think, but there was a bond with those of us who had gone through it that yes. we just knew that they didn't. But but we were careful about that. As I said, intentional. And you know, we do a cool exercise every year. We call it the chair exercise. We sit a player uh, on it and we ask him three questions. Tell me, and some other teams have done this. Tell me a hero in your life, a hardship, and a highlight. And, and then we turn them over. There's an old show called Inside the Actor's Studio with James Lipton Love many it. years ago. Love it. And it's very similar. To that. And then we turn the player or the coach who's ever on the chair over to the team and say, go ahead, ask your teammates, ask your player or teammate about anything. So we did that. 
And so you get to learn a lot about your players and your team. So the new guys would do that. All of those players who were part of and coaches who were part of what happened in the last year, when we got to the hardship part, I made them answer the question. Instead of sharing your hardship, share with this whole team, and it's all confidential, um, what you learned from the, the UMBC loss. That was fascinating to me because you saw how they processed it. You saw what it meant. And, boy, I listened to that stuff, and I just I hit it in my heart, my heart and my mind because it, it made me understand what they grew, what they learned from it. And, again, that strengthened them. And so we, we owned it with each other. There's a saying, over-analysis leads to paralysis, right? And we didn't want to do that, but we had to own it. And then there's also the thing, well, you can just ignore it and act like it never happened. I think, that's, I think either one can be a mistake. I think we had to find a balance of look at it, grow from it, learn it. It's going to be painful. Um, but there's a point where you say, okay, we take what it is, but this is about us. This is a new challenge in a new year. We'll never forget it. Always have a scar. Hey, your scars are the things that um, I think make you. But um, so we kind of approach it like that, and that's how we integrated the new guys. That that's key. We, the buzzword in business and teams is about culture, right? And that to me is one of the best building culture exercises, right? Yeah. I I find it so challenging in all walks of life to to build this authentic culture. I think so. Um, we have pillars in our program that um, we've established, but one of them is, is unity. And we always talk about it. What it means is, you know, um, uh, it's, it's a biblical pillar, but a, a house divided against itself won't stand. And my father, who established these pillars, they're, again, they're biblical pillar principles. Um, I remember he always said this about unity, and he told me this when I took over the job at Virginia, and I watched him do this. He said, um, before you're going to win at a high level, he said, you must recruit players and hire a coaching staff that you can lose with first before you win. Because the bottom line is this, is, is adversity and losing, that's the truth serum. I mean, we can all sit here and talk about it. When things are going well, everybody's, you know, they're great. Everything's fine. But you're with a player. They're not playing as much as they thought. They go through an injury or something happens or you lose a game. And then you find out what's real. And can you lose with the people that you're around? Because if you can lose with them, you're going to grow from that. You're going to learn and glean the wisdom from it. And then you're going to win at a high level if you apply it. So you talk about we lost at the highest level. Most public. That's the thing about sports that's unique. You're, you're on display for a watching world to criticize, to judge, to praise. You do it. So we lose at the highest level. But I knew I could lose with them. And oh, was that tested? But when you know you can lose, I knew I could win with them because we won the ACC that year. Okay, that's great and all that. But, um, but I knew I could lose with them. And that bared itself out in a way that even surprised me as we ventured into this year and what all took place. Now, let's fast forward. You finished the ACC tournament, and now you're going to the NCAA tournament. You get a nice seed again. And now your first opponent is? Yeah, Darner Webb. We were the one seed. And, you know, it's interesting. There's a part of me that's like, well, maybe it'd be better to be a two seed You're this right. year. I thought you were going to get Yeah, there. and, you know, we don't have to face that pressure. Oh, you know. But we had a phenomenal year. We won the regular season ACC. Three um, ACC ones? Uh, we've won four. No, times. but no, wait, wait, were there three oh, A's? Three ACC number one seeds. Yes, which amazing. Is, yeah. Um, but, yeah, we play Gardner Webb. And, um, and, you know, the leading up to that and the 
press room was all about, you know, how will you handle this pressure? Uh, I thought we handled it well. I, I shared with you how we, we owned it and all those things. But we get to the game, and we're down 14 points, um, I think 12 minutes into the game. It was the biggest deficit we'd faced all year, and it was the most oppressive pressure that I've ever faced as a coach, and I could see it on our players. Gardner-Webb, once again, was playing lights out. The crowd shifted. You could just feel everyone tuned into this because, oh, my God, it's happening again. You know, again, it's never happened, it's happening to us, and that was the feel. And I remember sitting on the bench, and, um, you know, I just said, I had a conversation, I said, Lord, I, if this is the way you got me going again, so be it, but I hope not. You know, and I remember <laughs> feeling like, I, I don't want to go through this again, but, you know, we were trying to play well, we felt the pressure, the other team was playing good, um, and it was, it was unbearable to an extent, um, but... Uh, it was what it was, as they say. You know, in college, we had the, you know, timeouts, you know, the 16 to 12. You get to that, you know, eight-minute timeout, let's say 12 or so minutes into it. What do you say to a team? What, yeah. I mean, because you want to relax them yeah. and stuff like that. There was no relax. No. <laughs> that was all BS. I was you know, wishful was like, thinking, yeah. No, it was just you could see it. It was tense. I'll tell you probably the more significant thing. Um, we hit a big three, we were down nine, cut it to six, go in the half, we're down six. And last year in that scenario, um, we had a, I had to do an interview on the floor, and our coaches charged into the locker room, and I think they were just, they kind of tore into our guys. This is unacceptable. You know, and it, it, just, it was one of those things that happened. There's a lot of emotion going on. And one of my assistants taps me on the leg and says, there's like maybe 20 seconds left, he said, he said, speak light. Speak life into those guys. Tell the staff, remind the staff, speak life. Don't, don't jump them. Because we had been in the spot. So we walk into the locker room. We're down six, you know, and you've you got a decision to make. Do we light a fire? Do we encourage them? What do we do? And so I walk into the locker room. Usually, I, I didn't, this time because we were down, I didn't have to do the interview at halftime on the court. They have the winning, the team that's leading to it. I walk into the locker room and I looked at our guys and you could see it was, there was stress. And I said, promise me one thing. I said, last year we were in the same spot. Actually, I think we were up one last year, but we were in the same spot. I said, promise me one thing. I said, you won't panic. Last year we panicked. We unraveled after the half. And I said, I said you've got to fight for all your worth. You've got to lay it on the line. I said, but do not panic. Learn from what last year taught. Just keep believing step by step. So that was basically the talk. So we go out, and we had a great second half. We won the game. I truly believe, Brendan, that was the most significant moment in the whole NCAA tournament. And I think it may be one of the most significant moments that these young men and that I will ever face in my life in the basketball sense, meaning this, because that pressure was on us. And to watch them look it in the eye and face that pressure and, and kind of go through it, I thought was remarkable because I thought it prepared them for what was to come. So my pregame talk before the national championship game was this. You've been prepared for this moment. You faced a pressure that no one in the college basketball game has had to face. You overcame it. You're prepared for any pressure, any stress that'll come your way. And, and quite honestly, after we won that game, we had so many remarkable close games to, to get there. The Purdue last second, Miracle, Auburn, you know, kid hits three free throws. We win. We hit a three to tie it against Texas Tech, win in overtime in the national championship game. I think... That pressure we faced, all that happened last year, 
We played free. Yeah, there was still stress and pressure, but because we got through it and we prepared for it, we didn't, we didn't get our feathers ruffled. I think that battle-tested us and, and made us prepared for those moments, and I think why we were successful with obviously great fortune and great play. So you go to the next game, and on the second game of the first weekend, how did, what was the preparation in between? What, you know, the opponent is in the sec- game two is who? Oklahoma. A very good team, okay. And is it a exhale on, after the game kind of for you guys as a staff and the players? And then how do you get into preparation to flip the switch? It was a big exhale. I think yeah. we knew it. Um, and pressure does strange things to even the greatest athletes in the world. I've watched pro golfers when the tournament's on the line miss a three-foot putt. The best field goal kickers miss field goals at the time. Free to, even the pros, pressure can, can do strange things. So the fact that they handled it, it there was a lightness and there was a, a seriousness because it wasn't just about, okay, we're just going to beat you know, that first game. No, we, we came, but it was amazing how different it felt. And we prepared well, um, and we went to that game and played um, at a very high level. It's probably our most convincing win of the tournament. The rest were all <laughs> down the wire, which is going to be the case. But... Um, but you just noticed a significant difference. We almost needed to conquer that monster or get over that hurdle, and then we, we played, and we, I thought, played to our fullest. When you keep advancing in a tournament, which, you know, having coached the NBA where you have every, all of them are seven-game series, right. you win four, you get to advance. These are one-and-dones. You know, forget the one-and-dones, the kids that go to school and leave <laughs> after a year. This is one 40-minute game, possibly in overtime. And it can be over for either team. What the difference in coaching of that is that is pressure, I think, uh, to the utmost. Seven game series, you get upset the first game. It's not pressure, really. It's just you got to you got to win a game on the road. You know, it's and and I thought, you know, watching the NBA finals, you saw that. You know, where one team won three times on the other team's court <laughs> road game, the other team won twice on the other team's road court. That's unheard of. It's never been done before. But the one-and-done idea of college basketball, under the intense uh, media scrutiny, as well as the national TV audiences and stuff, what's it like to coach in that environment? Yeah, I think that's the allure of the NCAA tournament. I think it's one of the greatest sporting events, the Cinderella shows. We live both extremes. I mean, us losing to UMBC made it even greater for the NCAA tournament and the fans because – it is if you're off, and and there's so much parity, and the game's starting to catch up. Um, that that's that extreme, and um, and then I obviously we won so many close games to come out on the other side this this year. So it is a unique pressure, and again, it's why everybody tunes in, everybody sees it, and the stories just unfold, and and it is great. I think you know the true test, though, to me, of a, a great team is: are you consistent? Do you win your conference? Because to win an NCAA championship, you got to be hot. There's got to be good matchups. You got to be healthy, and uh, you got to have some great luck or great fortune. So that's the reality when it's one and done. And um, it's a great, it is a great amount of pressure. And one of the best pieces of advice I got when we qualified for the Final Four, I got a call from Dabo Sweeney. He called me and he said, he said I, he said he observed. He said because you guys, he used the word failed epically last year and you were faithful to who you guys were and you didn't lose your way and you 
handled it in the right way, he said, he said, you're going to win a national championship. This is leading up to the final four. He said, it's done, Tony. I'm telling you. He said, I believe that. I've observed this. I got to know him a little bit through the ACC meetings. And he said, but one piece of advice that I'd give you that I gave my team. And I thought it was one of the coolest comments. He said, there's going to be so much scrutiny, especially when you go to the final four. The, 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 it's just going to zoom in on you. He said, I would share this with you. Let the light that's in you shine brighter than the light that will be shining on you. And I thought, man, that was so good. He said, I, if you want, share that with your players. And when you think about that, that's the truth of the matter. You ask, how do you handle that scrutiny? Mm-hmm. How do you, what's inside? What do you believe? What's your core? And we talked about that. And that stuff was being forged and formed for, well, many years with these young men in their lives. But, but through that process of the adversity of last year and going through it, winning these games, um, that idea of let the light inside of you shine brighter than the light that shines on you. Because if you get consumed with what's going on outside, what they're saying, what's going on, what if we lose, what if it, you'll, you'll just unravel. And, and I think that's, we had a presence of mind. This is who we are. This is what we're doing. This is our time. We can live with it if it doesn't happen, but we're ready to do it if it's, if it's our time. That's brilliant. That is fantastic. When you win the final game, there's so many cool things. One was you and your dad. Hmm, yeah. As a great coach that he is and best friend and mentor, what was that like? Yeah, you know, his dream in coaching was to one day coach in a Final Four. I knew that. I was a volunteer manager on his team when I watched him do that. It was one of the, the coolest things. So um, to just to be able to embrace him after that game and say, because I never – I got into coaching. I thought, you know, I thought I'm going to play in the NBA like all these guys think for 15 years and then retire on a beach in Hawaii and never have another <laughs> worry. And, you know, three years it gets cut short. And I kind of got into coaching. I wasn't sure because I watched my dad go through the roller coaster ride. I saw my sister, great coach, won a Big Ten championship in Indiana, national championship, Division three coach. But I saw the roller coaster ride, and I'm like, you got to be a little crazy to coach. I don't think I want to do it. Well, then after I got injured, I was kind of a volunteer player coach and overseas, and I'm like, I think I like this. But never in my wildest dreams did I envision, even when I became the head coach at Washington State, and even here, I hoped, you know, one day, maybe we can be good enough. I, I hope I want to test myself against Duke and Carolina and the great teams in our league, and I hope I could one day maybe get this program to a Final Four because I observed my dad doing it. But I don't think I really, am, if I'm going to be honest with you, we're winning a national championship. I know it. Everybody has a different way, and I know people say, put your dreams on the board and do it. I just wanted to maximize this team and see how far we could take it. So when that reality or when that dream became reality and all of a sudden we won, it was just it was to see my father, to embrace him. And I remember when that clock went to zero, the, the thought I had, I just bowed my head and I said, Lord, thank you. I said, I'm humbled. I don't deserve this. That's how it felt. I felt Literally undeserving. Yeah, I, I, there's someone sent me a picture. I'm just sitting there with my head down, and my staff, like, they were celebrating. And then the next, they all came, and we were hugging, right. but I, it, I felt undeserving. I fe- What's the word? I, I felt like I was part of a story that was going to be told that was much more significant than just winning that game and winning a championship because of how the whole thing unfolded um, from the, the loss and being the first team. And I just... It was it was humbling, as I said. It was it was undeserving, and that that's that's a pretty good feeling. Coaching provides you with an incredible platform way outside of basketball. 
and you use that, I think, incredibly well. But I don't know if there's anything that I've ever heard where you could take something from true adversity and turn it so positive and stuff. So congratulations. Thank you, bro. Thanks so much.